welcome to Your Property Podcast. Today is the 18th of June. I had to think about that one then as I go into July. 18th of June 2020 and today we have got um, Mike Cruikshank with us. Hi Mike. Hi, good morning Michelle, how are you? Great, good to have you on and um, also forgot to introduce myself. My name is Michelle Cairns, your host for today. And um, yeah, so today we're going to be talking about new builds and, uh, you know, what Mike has, uh, his experience in that arena and how that is being affected by the current situation. Um, but before we get into that, can you give us a bit of a background about yourself, Mike, how you got into property and uh, how you got yes. into new builds? Hi, absolutely. Um, well, as Michelle said, I'm Mike, Mike Cruikshank. Uh, I've been uh, in the construction property sector for over 45 years now, so I have a a few miles on the clock, as they say. Uh, initially trained in architecture, then moved in as a building inspector, building control officer with the local authority, uh, and then moved to a Canadian investment company where I was assistant pro- property manager, uh, where they were investing heavily in Aberdeen during the, the, the early days of the, of the oil. Um, I then set up my own architectural practice, which I ran for six years and then was invited to join a Scott Frame Timber Engineering, who were the UK's largest supplier of timber frame to the self-build market. So I was sales director with them for 20, 26 years. Uh, left in 2017 um, uh, to kind of do my own thing. I got a bit fed up with, with, with corporate life. Uh, and I've been pro- investing in property since, since 2007. Um, and uh, I've actually been developing this uh, self-build course because uh, one of my passions is, is self-build. And you know, I really get excited about helping people and I've literally helped thousands of people uh, realise their dream of building their own home. Okay. Um, so I've actually <clears throat> just finalising a, 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 an online course on that, in, you know, the, the path to self-build success. So... And um, that's what I've been spending uh, lockdown. <laughs> lockdown project, yeah, love it. Exactly, yes. Definitely put it the time to good use. Yeah. yeah. And so you mentioned about 2007, you got started. Um, was self-build always the way to go from the beginning? Obviously, 2007, uh, with the financial crisis around that time. What did that look like for you? How did What made the decision? What, what was the decision for you to get into property? Um, well, really, it was from the point of view of I had been uh, looking at my pension, mm. and the pension wasn't looking looking particularly clever, wasn't looking looking particularly um, good. So I thought, well, you know, property is what I know. So I started investing in property, usual, um, you know, kind of buy to let, you know, initially. And then I, uh, you know, moved, had some commercial commercial property develop, you know, development land. Service, service accommodation. Um, so you know, got a bit of experience in the kind of property, property investment side because I think it's a great, a great asset to hold. So, uh, but in terms of self, you know, self build, I've actually self, self built twice, um, and uh, found it extremely rewarding, and certainly moved myself up the property ladder an awful lot faster than what I could have if I had just been buying houses from um, from the major house builders. Okay, so what? What prompted you initially to, because, you know, I understand the concept of self-building, but to be honest, it's not something I've ever seriously thought of doing. It's just 
for whatever reason you know yeah. you just keep on investing in buy to lets and you keep on going and then one day you can have your dream house <laughs> but um, that's it yeah i think um it's really the you know the the benefit the big benefit of it is that you can in simple terms you can actually um build a better house for you know for less money so it really gives you the opportunity to either you know build the same size of house that you know, the major house builders are actually providing but it's going to cost you less so you're going to have you know hopefully a smaller smaller mortgage which in turn then gives you more disposable income or alternatively you uh, spend the same uh, amount that you would buy a, a house from the major uh, developers um, but it means you can actually build a bigger house and, and certainly to a higher specification yeah. uh, and it very much allows you to, to tailor the house to suit your particular living uh, you know requirements uh, and you can build in you know flexibility you can build in the possibility that you can extend it in the future you know you know if you're kind of a young couple and are looking to have family and the like so it gives you a lot more a lot more flexibility mm. and uh, just give me a high level overview of the process because like I say it's it's not something I've looked at before so obviously I'm assuming you need to find a plot of land first so you go you find you buy a plot of land that either has planning on it or you buy it with the potential to get planning to get planning yes I mean I suppose the ideal situation would be to buy a piece of land or, or get the option to buy a piece of land uh, subject to getting planning permission because um, generally you will get that cheaper than a land that already has has planning permission now obviously there is an inherent risk in that and you know in that if it doesn't get planning permission then you're almost back back to square one so i mean i would generally advise people um to, to buy something that at least has outline planning consent because the principle of development is already you know is already established but it's not to say that you couldn't, you know, find a piece of land and speak to the local planning department, uh, you know, maybe with a pre-application, pre, pre have a word with them. And if in principle they think that that's, that that's a possibility, then you could then go ahead and make a, a formal offer for the land subject to getting planning permission. But I would never suggest that anyone buys a piece of land on the hope of getting planning permission because at the end of the day, you could be left with a piece of land that is just a piece of agricultural yeah. land and it's you know becomes then a liability rather than mm. an asset okay so you, you get your plot of land you found your you, you get, get a it. plot of land yeah it's yeah. got planning you get the planning through and then you instruct some well you first go to an architect well your next your step is, yeah your next step is really to establish what your budget is because at the end of the day everything you know does come back to the money so uh, it wouldn't be the first time that uh, people have approached me and you know with us uh, you know with their house design and they've been their figures are wildly inaccurate and uh, the house that they have had designed is well out with their budget so really you really need to establish your budget as accurately as you can early days and then it's at that point then you would go and instruct an architect or architectural technologist okay to design a house based on what the budget actually is you, you, you have. Um, so you need the money up front, which I suppose is the main barrier for people. Because if, if, if what you're saying is to self-build is cheaper or you get a better product than if you just go out and to buy from a, you know, from one of the big companies. Yes. Then why isn't everyone doing it? 
I think if you were, and I've done it on numerous occasions at seminars and all the rest of it, if I ask the question of the audience, say, right, you know, forgetting the fact that you might have a difficulty finding land, forgetting the finance side, who would like to build their own house? Invariably, yep. 90 plus percent of the people would love to build their own house. Yep. So then you've got to look at, right, what are the two main barriers to, you know, that are stopping people doing that? The first barrier generally is and actually you know finding a suitable a suitable plot mm. and then the next barrier is the financial side but what a lot what a lot of people don't know is um, that there are specialist companies there that will actually provide finance for particularly for the self-build market so dependent and obviously it all comes down to what your personal situation is but you might have equity in your existing house which allows you to borrow against and actually buy you know kind of buy the land wouldn't necessarily have to move out of your house at that particular point. So there are all, there are all different ways that you can actually fund it. Uh, and and it's, it's a lot easier than maybe a lot of people perceive it mm. to be. So when you say finance, do you mean, is it like a bridging project? It's high it's, interest? Like It's not it's, it's not bridging, but it's really, you, you know, you can kind of, as I say, it depends very much on your individual situation but if you've got a decent bit of equity in your house then you can actually borrow you know kind of borrow based kind of based on that which generally would be kind of cheaper than going down the bridging right so it's route. um like a second charge then yes so you wouldn't actually need to physically pull the money out no you just chat you um get a loan against the equity in your house okay and then um it is development finance then is that what we're talking about you can get development finance, yes, again, it differs slightly from the typical mortgage situation, which generally, you know, you buy a house and, and, and you actually then get, you know, get the yeah. money from the mortgage company. There, there are um, mortgages that are available, what they call accelerated mortgages, whereby they will actually pay you in stages. Mm-hmm. So you get paid in advance. So let's just say you were saying, right, we'll get the foundations in and up to dump-proof course level, then they would release uh, the funds to get you to that stage, which allows you then to pay the builder. So the builder's getting paid. And then once you're up at the next stage, which maybe be a wind and water type stage, there's, you know, there's money released for that. So it can be done on a stage-by-stage basis. So you're not borrowing right. all the money you require day one. So that makes it obviously cheaper because you're not having to borrow the full sum day one. That's on a on a stage by stage basis. Okay, so you don't have to you don't have to borrow the full amount on day one. But no. uh, my understanding of, of development finance is uh, if you have normally as if you buy a house and then you apply for the development finance, you can get a hundred percent up to hundred percent of the development finance. Um, obviously, as long as you yeah. can prove the GDV is going to be. 20-25% higher than oh, yeah. the cost. So in this case, would would that be would that still stand that you could borrow 100%? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really, yes. I mean, 100%. Right. It really, everything depends on what the you know the gross development value or the end value of the house actually right. is, and then everything's based on a percentage of that. But I mean, the typical self builder, you know, should be saving 25-30% on what it would cost uh, from buying a house from any other you know, kind of major, major house builders. And, that would be fairly typical. Uh, and where is that saving? Why is it cheaper? It's cheaper because, I mean, in effect, the major house builders, every third, fourth house is their profit. I mean, you know, right. what they're, 
they're building to satisfy investors. So they obviously have got to get a return. Uh, whereas if you're building, your, you know, building it yourself, then uh, there's various ways you can obviously build. And if you, I mean, self-build, the term self-build automatically conjures up, you can actually get your hands dirty and, you know, building, <laughs> Yes, <building>. yeah. <laughs> but the, rea- the reality is that very, very few uh, self-builders actually do that. Right. Very, very few. You might get some tradesmen, you know, joiners or builders that will actually do that because all their mates are tradesmen, so they'll call in all the favours and, uh, you know, can, and build the house very cheaply. But, you know, most people actually will uh, project manage the house themselves or engage a project manager to actually do it on their behalf. Or uh, in a lot of occasions, they'll just employ a, a building contractor who will actually do the whole thing start, start from finish. Mm. So it very much depends on what the individual situation is. Have they time to actually project manage it themselves? Have they the experience and the confidence to do that? Or do they want a more hands-free situation whereby they would just actually engage a builder and, 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 get, and get them to do the work? So it really means that, um, as I say, the, the equity element, if you like, uh, is you know going into their pocket rather than into an investor's pocket, as would be the case in a, in, in a major house builder. Okay, and so uh, from the point of, let's say, you've bought the plot and you've got the planning approved till, until the point where you've got the keys and you can take your suitcases in, um, then how, let's say, on an average three or four bed house, how long would you expect it to take to build something like that? Typically, typically... Six six to nine months would be kind of you know pretty much pretty much the norm. It can be done a lot you know a lot faster than that. So one house that was done that was something like two hundred and forty eight square meters. So it was like a four bedroom detached house, and that was done start to finish in twelve weeks by a contractor. Now that's fairly fairly exceptional, but it but it but it can be done. Um, so it very much depends on. You know, on the building contractor you're using, or if you're self-managing it, is how how well organised you are, in the, in terms of all the trades following on without big delays between one trade and the next trade. But typically, I would say you're you know you're talking six nine months would be fairly fairly realistic. I suppose a lot of that depends on the um, the utilities as well. Yeah, utilities is always something you should jump onto at an early stage because. Uh, yeah, they can. You could have the house finished, and uh, oh, I they can't connect to the sewer. I'm waiting for the you know the water services to connect the sewer. So always one of the advice I always give is to get that sorted out as early a date as is possible. Because unfortunately, you know it's not as if you can just say, well, I'll go to another contractor and get it done. You're very limited as to who you can use. And uh, what about modular? building then because this you know seems to be gaining more and more traction and interest how do you have you looked into that at all how does that yes, compare with yeah, traditional absolutely um i mean it's quite you know certainly in england the vast majority of houses that are built in england are um 
what we call traditional build, inverted commas, where they're built with kind of, kind of brick and block, quite often cavity construction. Um, but the reality is I always have a wee chuckle to myself when the term traditional build is used because there's nothing traditional about bricks for blocks. When man and woman come out of the caves, I mean, invariably what they started to do is chop down trees and make shelters, shelter from trees. So if anything should be considered traditional, it should probably be building using timber. Right. Now, I'm very much an advocate of timber frame construction, which is a form of modular modular construction, okay. in that it's done within a factory-controlled environment under factory-controlled conditions. Um, and, you know, as, as a natural product, it is uh, for looking to prevent, you know, more CO2 emissions and, and, and make, you know, the world a, a better place for our children and our children's children, then we should we all need to be building a lot more, a lot more green uh, and, and, and timber frame certainly, you know, very much ticks that box because it is the, the most sustainable form of, of, of construction you can use. Now that, so that's, you know, what they call modern method of construction. You can actually get modular whereby rather than just it being delivered to site on panels, it can come in, in, in almost in boxes and the boxes all be kind of attached together on site. And undoubtedly you will see more and more of that coming because you know, in the UK in particular, we have a huge shortage of housing. You know, the government are wanting us to be building 300,000 houses per annum, and we're, we're lucky if we get anywhere close to half half that. So, you know, the demand is building and building and building, and the only way we're going to achieve that is to build um, in, in, in a modular fashion so we can actually build, build more houses faster. Mm, okay. And what about 3D printing? <laughs> So 3D, yes, yeah. I mean, there are houses being built with that, you yeah. know, kind of now. Um, it's not something I have to say I have any experience no. of. But I, I've, watched, I've watched the videos and quite honestly, it's, it's fascinating. This it is, it blows my mind. <laughs> it's, like, just, it's just unbelievable, I know, I know. Um, so yeah, you know, will that come eventually? Yes. Will it come within my lifespan? Doubt it. Um, mm. But uh, no, it's certainly things... Things these days move so fast with technology that, um, you know, and that's been proven with recent events. I mean, the fact that we're having, you know, Zoom calls and, <laughs> you know, all this, this this pandemic has caused lots of things to be accelerated. And, and uh, I think yeah, probably... I think it's, uh, yes, it's, that's the word, isn't it? Acceleration of yes. sort of the new normal. But how do you see that? How do you see self-builds fitting in with what, you know, the current situation and, uh, the challenges like for example you know i mean we're still looking for bags of plaster you know um, <laughs> if you know any let me know <laughs> yeah well i think there's you know i think there's no doubt that you know the pandemic has changed all our lives dramatically uh, and i think what has been highlighted is people having been incarcerated in their houses for god knows how many weeks um you know they, they then realize what the shortfalls of their existing accommodation is and particularly if they've got children with home, you know, kind of homeschooling, quiet spaces where they can, you know, just, you know, go and do their homework or, you know, just get away from the kids for a while or whatever. Garden space, if they, you know, do they have a garden space? Um, if they're in a flat, well, do they have a balcony where they can go at least out and sit in the balcony and get a bit of fresh air and maybe have the exercise bike in the balcony? So I think all these things will will make people think, right, 
okay, where we're staying at the moment is far, far from ideal. We want to protect ourselves against, God forbid, another pandemic. Then, you know, we really need to be looking at properties that better satisfy what our requirements are in that situation. And again, that's where I think self-build can come into its own because you can very much design a house to suit your individual requirements. Whereas if you're buying from a, it always sounds as if I'm, you know, hammering the, the major house builders or not, they've obviously got a product that is attractive to some people, but, you know, you have less choice when you're doing that because they're building houses that um, are maximising the return to the, you know, to their investors. Yes. Whereas yeah. if you're building your own house, you can, you know, you can do your own thing, you can have your own design, you can have it exactly as you want it. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I, I understand. And I saw, I think I saw yesterday about Nationwide uh, tripling the deposit needed for new first-time buyers. So where it used to be 5% deposit, uh, they've brought up to 15%. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, that's a sort of interesting shift overnight, really, of all of these first-time buyers that were planning on, you know, getting a house of 5% up north, yeah. you know, that's not very much money. <laughs> no, um, yeah, yeah. And um, and now, you know, if the the big lenders are tightening up on that, that I'm sure that'll make people question, you know, think, okay, what are the alternatives? And obviously, like you say, for, for some people, the option of new build will be available to them, not for everybody if they haven't got that pot of money or the equity, but yeah, yeah that's it's just interesting. You know, they can do a bit of sweat equity, if you like. So, I mean, if they're you know, prepared to put in the time and the labour, then they can certainly save themselves, you know, substantial sums. Uh, and if that means, you know, if that's a means to an end, then you, you may well get a lot of people actually will do a lot more of that as well. So, um, going back to your first new build or self-build, was that for you to live in? Was that your residential home? It was, yeah. What it was at the time I was living in what was what a three bedroom semi detached with the you know with three kids I was looking for a bit more space uh, always was wanting to self build identified a piece of ground that a local developer um, uh, had it was actually their, their site establishment you know their uh, site establishment so I noticed they'd been lying for a while made approaches to the local uh, manager director of the company who said no wasn't prepared to sell it. It was a site suitable for four four houses. Um, but being a bit bit more tenacious, I uh, sorry that was my phone thing in there. I'll put it in silent. Um, being a bit more tenacious, I thought, well, okay. I so then I approached the uh, the managing director of the whole company, chief executive officer, and said to him, look, there's this piece of land. The local man said no, but surely it must be best to get it off your books. So. Long story short, um, I agreed uh, a price, uh, but I had to buy the four four plots. He was only, wasn't going to sell me one plot, he had to buy four. Now I was looking back, it was an opportunity that I didn't take, but what I did was I got three other people involved and we all, the three of us, uh, or the four of us, all kind of, kind of bought the site collectively and then we each did uh, in our, our own self-build. Right. So, you know, it doesn't, so, you, you know, just highlights the fact you don't always have to be looking for one site. If you were looking, if some of your friends or, or, or family were also interested in self-build, you could actually buy a, a plot for two or three or whatever. And that generally, again, helps from the cost point of view. 
because like if you're going to buy a car, if it's a price for one car, but then there's a price if you're buying two or three cars. <laughs> yeah. And it's very similar, you know, very similar if you've got a, a building contract for, you know, two, two or three houses rather than one. So we did share share various tradesmen um, and that, you know, you know, that worked very well for yeah. us all. So it actually, my, my son now uh, stays, stays in that very same house that I built with, you know, with my two grandsons. So it was very much, um, you know, it was good from a legacy point of view. It certainly accelerated my, my climb of the property ladder because there's no way that I could have afforded the size of the house I built from a major house builder. So you've just sort of like reverse engineered the finance to be able to do it. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. And then you got the bug for it. <laughs> I got the bug for it and then, yeah, I did it again. I built in, uh, in Southern Ireland across in Donegal. Can I kind of built the house across there? My mother-in-law had a piece of ground and um, she was very keen to see a house built on it. So uh, I thought, right, okay, let's, let's do it again. So beautiful location, beautiful views and uh, Again, built it using timber, you know, kind of timber frame. So um, used, you know, used local labour. So again, that was very, very successful. Was there anything you did differently the second time? No. Well, yes, I probably, well, I, I, did, I didn't do as much work the first time um, because funds, funds were tight. I did a fair bit of work myself. False economy, really, in, in actual fact. I'd have probably been better spending more time in my, in my architectural business rather than physically on site getting my hands hands dirty because I'm not a tradesman so I tended to be slower than what a tradesman would be and I'd have been better working more hours and you know in effect taking the money in one hand and handing it out to the builder in the other hand but you know again that was a learning curve that I can you know kind of pass on to people and it's almost false you know kind of false economy in many situations but it does it does depend on your individual situation sometimes if that's the only way you can do it yes yeah. and that's what you could do so the second one is that where you're living now no uh, no i'd say i'm, I'm actually living in, in, in glasgow now so I'm, I'm on the lookout again for another for another plot well, i'm always on the lookout for you know kind of, <laughs> kind of for, plot for an opportunity and what i have noticed that during this pandemic and now getting a bit of exercise on the yeah. bike or walking it's amazing what you see yeah, uh, when you're in the, on the bike or walking, that you don't see when you're yes. passing passing in a car, and I've seen quite a few plots that I've been coins in for. So, watch the space. So I was going to say because it's you know I think when you're in property, suddenly you know you can't drive down a street without kind of having your eyes <laughs> pulled <laughs> over to the side from notice boards or you know boarded up buildings or whatever it yes. is like a a cheeky kind of plot at the you know the side of a house. Um, so. I'm sure we've all sort of driven or walked past these plots of land. Maybe uh, they call it infill, don't they? Between two houses or, you know, you think, oh, okay, I'm sure that you could fit a house in there. But then that's as far as most people get because they think, oh, I don't know what to do now. And maybe some people might knock on the door next door or something, but there's this kind of barrier because you just don't, okay, what do you do next? Okay. Um, you find even if you kind of think okay i could find out who owns it but then what am i going to say when they you know if even if i do find them even if i do get hold of them um so when you were sort of first starting out what uh you know what were those conversations like or what are they like now when you meet people 
I think, um, yeah, I think you've really got to overcome that and you've really got to be in a situation where you have to have the confidence. It's a, you know, if you don't ask, you won't get, you know. So, I mean, the worst, you know, what's the worst worst thing if you knock on someone's door and say, oh, look, I just noticed you've got that piece of land next to you. Uh, do you own the land? Yeah, we own the land. You know, would you be interested in selling it? You know, what's the worst that can happen? They can say, well, no, you know. <laughs> What happens is say, well, I've never really considered it. Why? What are you? What are you thinking? And then you engage in a conversation, and it's amazing what can can, can come from that. Mm-hmm. And and they might say, well, no, you know, we're not selling that piece of land, but I've got a friend. They've got a piece of land that they're they're actively trying to sell, and it's just amazing. The term I use is use the three foot rule. If you're actually looking for a plot, everyone within three foot of you should know that you're looking for a plot. Yep. <laughs> so you speak to all your friends and your relatives, you know, you're on your social media saying you're looking for a plot and all the rest of it. And it's just that network and it's amazing what can come back to you on that network. Mm-hmm. And the more, you know, the more widespread your network is, then the better chance you have of actually finding, you know, finding your plot. Well, let's assume people within, uh, within three foot of listening to us. So yeah. what's your next plot? What are you looking for? Well, my ideal plot is, and you know, I think Go big. What's your dream plot? Let's, let's put it out there to the universe. <laughs> well, my yeah, my my dream plot is to have be uh, just on the corner of a river, uh, with the grass the, the grass in the front, south facing, so that the lawn actually goes right down, you know, goes right down to the river, and I can look upstream and I can look downstream. Yeah. Therein lies my perfect, you know, kind of kind of perfect plot. Now, actually, when I was out on my bike runs during you know this whole pandemic, I actually did find you know could, you know have found a plot that, that suits that exact requirement. So I'm actually looking at that at the moment. I don't think it'll come off, but again, I you know nothing ventured, nothing gained. So I will certainly um, be making approaches. I think it's a local authority doing it actually. So um, along with a lot of ground in that area, but <clears throat> I'll certainly be trying. Well, okay. Well, good luck with that. Thank you very much. Thank you never you. know. You never know, like you said. Well, that's it. Out exactly. There. As I say, the worst case, the, the worst situation is no, it's not for sale, but fine. But I would no, be... Not, yeah, not now, but, uh, you know, now well, is exactly. not yet. I would be, I would be gutted, gutted to think that if I go out for a bike run in a year's time yeah. and there's not someone <laughs> building there, then that would be a pretty bitter pill Absolutely. to swallow. <laughs> Absolutely. So if people know of a plot or they're interested in uh, getting to know more about you and what you're up to, where's the best place they can find you and connect with you? The best place to find me is uh, probably to drop me an email. Uh, which is office at self-buildsuccess, no, no gaps, dot co, dot uk. And then, uh, you know, as I say, I'm going to be running this course. So it takes them, everybody from right the early stages, why they should, that they should consider self-build, right through to, you know, finding a plot, planning, building control process, um, how they actually build it, what system they use, to build it, about getting prices and tenders, right through to the VAT reclaim at the end of the day, because again, that's something a lot of people don't realise is that when you're building a new house, you um, you can get the VAT you get the VAT back on it. So at twenty percent, that's not an inconsiderable saving. Yes, yeah, that's a very good point. Um, yeah, and the so. other thing is that other you know, unlike investments, because if it's your own domain residence, then there's no uh, 
there's no capital gains. So you could build a house this year uh, and then you could build a house next year. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you get the bug and then end up, you know, after probably a couple of times, maybe three times, then you could be in a mortgage, mortgage free situation. Now you have to be careful that you're not seen as by well, HMRC is trading in effect. Yeah. You know, doing it for a profit. Living in it, and uh... and you've got a valid excuse that you are, you know, why you're actually moving again. Then well, that's totally acceptable. I've changed the side. Great. Okay. Well, um, yeah, it's uh, it's been great to speak to you and find out more about. Uh, I think I know a bit more now about South Phil. So yeah, well, that's good. That's <laughs> good. Yeah. Up for the other thing I should mention is that um, people should register for a plot. There's actually, you know, there was a, you know, the Right to Build Act, um, and certainly applies in England. Unfortunately, it doesn't apply in, uh, you know, the rest of the UK. But if you, um, you can uh, register if you're actually looking for a plot on the, you know, the self build plot register. So, um, in effect, it's, uh, you can go on, you know, if you're interested in a particular uh, county, then you can just actually go in there and actually register and the local authority have an obligation to give planning permission for self-build plots or condition. Maybe some of the major house builders say, right, okay, you've got permission there for 100 houses, but 20 of them have got to be suitable for, for, for the self-build market. So they don't actually have to provide the plots, but they have to make provision for them okay some good tips there today so uh thank you very much for your time no problem okay and, okay uh, if you find your or when you find your plot let us know yeah well certainly we do that it would, make, it. it would make for a good good case study i'm sure yes absolutely absolutely I look forward to reading about that in the ypn scene then <laughs> <laughs> okay that's fine michelle all right mate take care okay, thanks okay, for joining thank us you. thanks now bye-bye Hi, and for anyone uh, who would like to, a free copy of the YPN magazine, just click the link in the show notes and you can get your free copy for this month. Right. Bye, guys. See you next time. Bye.